This is a message from Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. We pray that it will encourage you in your walk of faith. If you would like to learn more about Dr. Youssef or Leading the Way, please visit ltw.org. I was speaking with a woman who uh, told me about her darkness of depression that she's going through, about pain and, and the horrible feelings that she is experiencing. And as I probed a little further, it became very apparent to me that her deep emotional pain stems from a severe feeling of betrayal. This woman, for 25 years or more, nearly 30 years, she dedicated her life for the upbringing of her three orphan nieces. She took care of them as they were growing up. She tutored them. She comforted them. She motivated them. She encouraged them. She did all that she could all her life committed to just helping those three girls to grow up. And as the way the world is, all over, not just in this country, when they grew up and they got married and they got busy with their lives, they literally, whether intentionally or not, turned their back on her. And her confusion gave way to anger, which turned inward and developed into a full-blown depression. And I could not help but think that betrayal and rejection can cut a wide gaping wound. That betrayal and ingratitude can truly create a deep and painful legacy in one's life. I could not help but think that betrayal and unfaithfulness can hurt more than a shotgun wound. Probably there is no worse feeling than the rejection of love. Probably there is no worse agony than a betrayal of a trust. Probably there is no more demoralizing experience than self-giving and self-sacrificing that are met with indifference and unappreciation. And I could think of no better example of a human illustration of this type of betrayal, this type of ingratitude, this type of unfaithfulness, than the life of the prophet Hosea. This man of God, this prophet of God, Hosea, called by God to speak to a generation that has turned its back on God. Hosea was called of God, not just to preach in words, but to experience what God is experiencing with unfaithfulness. Experience what God is experiencing when His people take Him for granted, take His blessings for granted. Hosea is called of God not just to proclaim the Word of God, but he was called of God to know what, what God feels like when His people take all of his blessings, and then pay him a lip service, tip a nodding acquaintance with him once a week. Hosea was not just a preaching prophet, he was a practicing prophet. Hosea was not just a talking prophet, he was a walking prophet. He was not just a leading prophet, he was experiencing prophet. Now there are 
some people, unfortunately, in the Christian church who think that Christianity just words. <laughs> there are some who think that leadership in the church is an easy thing, and just uh, you get up and you do your thing, and uh, you receive recognition and, and maybe some prestige. The reality is this, please hear me right. Neither the Christian life nor the Christian ministry that is not lived is worth the name. No wonder the Apostle James warns against a desire for wanting to be Christian leaders. You know why? Because he said there are very few who are willing to pay the price tag that goes along with leadership. And Hosea had a tragic marriage. His tragic marriage and having three wayward children reflected the tragedy of Israel in its unfaithfulness to a holy and living God. Hosea marries an, an adulterous woman by the name of Gomer. Why? Because God wanted Hosea to know what it is like for God to experience rejection by his people. Hosea's unfaithful wife is the exact replica, God said, of the unfaithfulness of God's people. Hosea's pain is a miniature model of God's pain. Before I get carried away, let me stop just for a moment to give you a little bit of a background about the book of Hosea. First of all, it's in the Bible. It comes right after Daniel. It's in the Old Testament. And it was written between 785 B.C. and 745 B.C. Give or take a few years here, here and there. I want to remind you that after the death of King Solomon, the son of King David, his two sons, in their foolishness, aided in the split of Israel into two kingdoms. The northern kingdom that was known as the kingdom of Israel. Those are the Yankees. <laughs> And then the southern kingdom, <laughs> as known as the kingdom of Judah. That's just to help you remember it. <laughs> I don't mean one way or the other, because I can tell you both kingdoms were going to hell in a basket. <laughs> it's just the northerners were going there first. <laughs> it's true. I'm talking about history now. <laughs> now, the southerners were living in the Bible belt, you know, in the kingdom of Judah. But you know what? They held out. A little longer than the northerners. But they too have fallen into apostasy. And they have risked God's rejection of both kingdoms. And But God says in chapter 1 that he is going to remember the kingdom of Judah for just his own purpose. Namely, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ through the tribe of Judah. And bringing of the Messiah through them. Hosea lived in the northern kingdom. In the kingdom of Israel. Those days sometimes seem to the average Bible reader that they are so removed from our time. I want you to listen to me very carefully, please. Because I want to declare to you that those days, the days of Hosea, in many ways resembling our day every single passing day. 
that those days, like our days, there were days of declining morality. There were days of rejection of moral absolutes. There were days in which the equivalent of the Gallup poll was saying or showing that large number believe in God, that large percentage went to church, that Vast numbers called themselves religious people. That many people were talking about in the secular media, talking about religion, talking about spirituality. They even talk about prayer. But throughout all of that humbug, the real faithful ones were very few. The real believers were small remnant. For all intents and purposes, God was saying that His people, they're living a lifestyle that is worse than the lifestyle of the Canaanite pagans. Those people, like the vast majority of our population, they paid God a lip service, but they rejected His moral absolutes. They knew that Yahweh demanded obedience, but they outlawed him out of schools. They realized that faith makes a difference in society, but they insisted to take prayer out of school and make it illegal. Let me tell you something. What I'm going to tell you comes straight out of history, and history has a habit of repeating itself. Whenever God is rejected, Satan moves in. There are no neutralities. There are no third person. Since God was kicked out of the schools, who replaced him? Guns and murder and violence. When the Ten Commandments were pulled out of the walls of the schools, what replaced them? Free condoms, promise security. When God's word is outlawed, the occult and satanic activities have taken over. When murder in the womb becomes acceptable, it will not be long before murder outside of the womb will become acceptable. Those days, they were not unlike our days. And that is why I'm going to ask you, please, please take note of how God dealt with them then and how God is going to deal with us now. Because throughout the series of messages from the book of Hosea, I want you to see the natural consequences of covenant breaking. I want you to see the natural consequences of unfaithfulness to God. I want you to see the natural consequences of denying God. I want you to see the natural consequences of paying God a lip service. I want you to see the natural consequences of self-absorption. God said to Hosea, go take a harlot for a wife. That needs explanation. Hosea is writing toward the end of his life. As the Holy Spirit inspiring him to write his life story, what had happened. So in retrospect, he realizes that Goma was a harlot. But when he married her, she was not. When he married her, she was a wonderful woman. Just as Israel began with God in obedience and in love and entered voluntarily, willingly into a covenant with God, God was saying to Hosea, I want you to know how unfaithfulness feels to me. Now I asked myself, Why did Hosea have to endure the pain of unfaithfulness? Why did he have to endure the heartache of betrayal? 
And I have come to certain conclusions. And it's this. That brokenness is the only way that you will understand the heart of God. That through brokenness you will comprehend the nature of sin. That through brokenness you can fathom the strength of God's love. It is through brokenness that you begin to understand the heart of God. It is through brokenness that you will understand the enormity and the sinfulness of sin and the horrible nature of sin. It is through brokenness that you will understand and comprehend the incredible, incredible, unfathomable strength of God's love. Look with me at chapter 1, please, of the book of Hosea. First of all, Hosea's brokenness and terrible experience through which he is able to comprehend the heart of God. You know, there are some Christians who think that they can grow in the knowledge of God, that they can grow in their walk with God when they are going from one mountaintop experience into the other. That is not true. Mountaintop experience, number one, will not last for very long. Mountaintop experience may give you a fuzzy and warm feeling, but is never lasting. For true growth in the knowledge of God, you have to go to the valley. You can truly understand the heart of God when you are in the low places in life. You can truly know the heart of God when you feel limited, when you feel vulnerable. You can truly grow in the knowledge of God. You can truly know God best when you are at the lowest moments in your life. Hosea could never have comprehended how God feels. He could never have understood how God suffers and the pain that people bring into God's heart. He could never have understood how God feels toward his unfaithful people who are receiving all the blessings from his hands and receiving blessings and receiving blessings. And then they end up focusing on the blessings, not the blesser. Hosea could never have understood how God felt until he himself married to unfaithfulness, an ungrateful spouse. You know, someone said that brokenness is the only diet that will reduce a fat head. (laughs) Be that as it may, it is only brokenness that you will know God and you will know how God feels. But also through brokenness, God can use you. Because I want to tell you in all honesty, brokenness can do one of two things. It can either make you bitter or can make you better. The choice is yours. Because I believe that it was only through the breaking of Jacob's natural strength at Penel that he came to the place of spiritual power. It was only through the breaking of the rock of Horeb by Moses that cool water flowed out and quenched the thirst of God's people. It was only when Gideon's chosen 300 broke their pitches, which is a symbol and a type of breaking of themselves, that the light shone and the enemies were absolutely confounded. It was only when Jesus took those five loaves and broke them and distributed them that they are multiplied 
multiplied and used to feed more than 5,000 people. It was when Mary took that beautiful, expensive alabaster box and broke it that the pent-up perfume filled the house. For it was only when the Lord Jesus Christ allowed his body to be broken with thorns and nails and spear that redemption poured forth like crystal stream from which sinners could drink and live eternally. In brokenness, you know God. But secondly, in brokenness, you comprehend the nature of sin. The two greatest sin of the Christian church is that we have done two things. Number one, we have lost the sense of the awesomeness and the majesty and the splendor of God. And we have undermined the sinfulness of sin. We have undermined the horrible nature of sin. We rationalized it. We tranquilized it. We counselized it. We did all kinds of things except deal with it. Now, you cannot read the story of Hosea without coming face to face with the agony of his heart. And I want to tell you in this day of sexual promise security and marital infidelity, in these days of, of easily broken marriage vows, we do well to see how sin creates havoc in the heart of God. How sin creates pain to the heart of God. Hosea probably spent many a sleepless night weeping over the unfaithfulness of his wife. Hosea probably agonized for days on end. Probably Hosea's body shook with convulsion and inner pain. But through it all, he was able to comprehend the sinfulness of sin. The horrible nature of sin. What sin does to the heart of God. You know, this has nothing to do with an unfaithful woman and a faithful husband. Really has nothing to do with that. This is just an imagery because God is a faithful spouse in this relationship and He's the perfect one. It has nothing to do with male-female agenda. You can have an unfaithful husband as well. In fact, that's more often the case than it is in normal situation. So that has nothing to do with that. The Bible presents the Lord as the husband of his people. The Lord Jesus Christ, he is the bridegroom and the church is the bride. That's the imagery here. He is the perfect spouse. You cannot comprehend the sinfulness of sin until you are on the receiving end of sin. I really believe that. Some of you will know that. You cannot understand how God feels about the nature of sin and about your indifference toward him. Until you've experienced indifference by someone you love. You cannot understand how God feels about your unfaithfulness to Him. And my unfaithfulness to Him. Until you've experienced the unfaithfulness of the dear and the near. You cannot understand how God feels about ingratitude to Him. Until you've experienced ingratitude of others, even especially those toward whom you have shown love, the recipients of your love and affection. For it's only in brokenness can you comprehend the nature of sin. And that is why I love our confession. Because you see, David came to a point in his life when he was confronted by his preacher, Nathan, about his sin. 
And he came to the point in his life, and all of a sudden it dawned on him. He didn't only sin against Uriah, but he sinned against the Holy God. And that's why the words of the confession of Psalm 51, you see him crying out to God and saying, Oh, against you, God, have I sinned. In brokenness, you'll understand how God feels. In brokenness, you comprehend the nature of sin. Thirdly, only through brokenness will you fathom the strength of God's love. It's incredible to me when you think of this wayward wife and wayward children, Gomer and her three children. I mean, they were given some ominous names. I mean, horrible names. Jezreel where all the violence and the bloodshed is associated with that name, gives him lo rahama. The word lo in Hebrew means no. Rahama means mercy. No mercy. Lo, Amy. No, you're not my people. Incredible words. But you see, these terrible names that God tells Hosea to call his children. He's telling him what God is going to do with Israel. And how? Because Israel continuously broken the covenant again and again that they're going to be rejected by God. But if you read on, you'll see how that despite of sin, despite of unfaithfulness, despite of ingratitude, God is always ready to forgive those who turn to Him. And you're going to notice this theme comes on again and again and again throughout this book. Hosea was given the privilege of looking down in history and prophesying that while God is rejecting Israel because Israel rejected God, while God called them Lorahama, while God called them Loami, not my people. And yet he's saying that one day, one day, one day it's coming when God is going to show his incredible mercy. He's going to show his incredible love. He's going to show the depth of his love by coming down from heaven himself, not sending somebody, coming down from heaven and then dying for their sin. And you and I are privileged to be the chosen people of God. You and I are privileged to be called the children of God. We were not His people, become His people. We had no mercy, He gave us mercy. That's the fulfillment of that prophecy in the book of Hosea. Peter was thinking of the book of Hosea when he's saying these words. Let me read them to you. Who in times past were not my people, that is, lo, Amy, but now my people, who had not obtained mercy, that is, Lorahama, but now have obtained mercy. Mercy. God suffers in the presence of sin. But his love is so deep and is so wide that he keeps the door open. No matter what you have done, he keeps the door open and he says, Come, I've been waiting for you. Turn to me, repent. You know, I'm told that the earth and the sun a part of a galaxy that contains more than 100 billion planets or stars. In addition to our cosmic system, there are billions of other planets spinning out through what appears to be unending space. And for convenience, scientists you know, call, use the term light years when they are referring to these enormous distances that are so hard to understand. 
And since light travels about 6 trillion miles a year, you can see how far away those solar masses really are. In fact, the nearest major galaxy is 2 billion light years away. But here's the good news. Are you ready for it? Here's the good news that the psalmist, Psalm 108 verse 4 declares. Psalm 108 verse 4 declares that the Lord's mercy is greater even than this expansive universe. In fact, God's mercy, God's grace is too expensive to be measured by light years. Despite of the mercy of God, there's one thing that God does not appreciate. And when His mercy is taken for granted, that His grace is taken for granted and ignored, as we're going to see in this message from Hosea. And that is why one day, God is going to reveal His complete justice when He judges the world. But I want to tell you, if I was you, I would plead the mercy of God, not His justice. Back to the woman who was in deep depression over the unfaithfulness and the ungrateful nieces. I said to her, isn't that amazing? I'm preparing a series of messages from the book of Hosea. Let me tell you about Hosea. Let me tell you about God. I said to her that what you are experiencing is what God experiences toward the unfaithfulness of His people toward Him. And God can use your brokenness and your pain if you let Him. I said to her that what you are experiencing is the very ugliness of the nature of sin. But also you can experience the power of God to love through you again. Let me say this as I conclude. You do not know my heart any more than I would know your heart. I want to say to you, those of you the Holy Spirit has spoken to, who are experiencing brokenness right now, listen to the voice of God because He's saying, trust me. Trust me to walk with you through it. I know how you feel. Allow me to use you and use your brokenness. To some of you, the Holy Spirit is saying, you have been taking my love for granted. You have been taking my mercy and grace for granted. Stop! You have grieved the heart of God long enough. Cease your indifference toward God. Cease your indifference toward God's work. Stop your lip service to God and to His church. Turn and be renewed today. To some of you, the Holy Spirit is saying something else. He is saying that you have lost your way, but out of love, He wants you to hear His message of infinite love, His open arms of forgiving you when you repent. The Bible said today is the day of salvation. The hour is now. Don't put it off. Don't put it off. Years ago, somebody said that impression... Without expression leads to depression. And I want to invite you today, if you have been convicted, make an expression of that conviction and say, Holy Spirit, I'm responding to your voice. It's between you and God. It has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with the person next to you. It's between you and God. God loves you. If He has spoken to you, respond to Him today. Heavenly Father, You see the very secrets of our hearts. There's nothing hidden from You. You know us through and through. 
And therefore, God, when we come to you, we come to you as an open book. Father, we thank you that you've spoken to our hearts, that you brought conviction to our lives. And Father, whatever it is that you have convicted us of, we pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to strengthen us. Father, we confess to you we can't do a thing without your power. We cannot do a thing without your strength. We cannot do a thing without the Holy Spirit of God empowering us. But we ask for a special strength that He may dwell in us in a special way, in a powerful way, in a new way. That, Father God, that we will walk in the holiness and righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that we will respond in obedience. In His name I pray. Amen.